Well, hello and welcome to the Time with Bob podcast. In this episode, my guest is Kurt Supernot. Kurt and I have been good friends since high school, and we got together on June 9th of this year, 2021. Our conversation lasted two and a half hours, and you are about to hear two hours of that conversation. We discuss stories, heroes, movies, love, the future, eternity, and some faith matters as well. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Time with Bob podcast. So the first one, and take, I mean, if you have to take a time to think about it, please do. But okay. what kind of stories do you enjoy? Just think about like books or movies, okay. or maybe even video games. Like, I was thinking about media initially when you say that, like, depending on the media, like the stories I like in video games aren't necessarily synonymous with the stories that I like in film or li- literature, you know, mm-hmm. um, or someone's literally just going to tell me campfire stories. Mm-hmm. I like those to be spooky. My favorite um, stories to hear in person are generally spooky or eerie or weird stories. Second place would be funny stories, funny true stories preferably. Um, When it comes to video games, a story that you can take part in, because being a video game you wanna take part it's self-explanatory, I would think. Movies, world building, Lord of the Rings, for mm. example. I enjoy all 15 hours of the extended edition. And because the lore and world building is so great that um, it really feels encompassing. and really takes you away from wherever you're at. And so I, when it's just a film, I believe it needs to be more encompassing. When it's a, a video game, it needs to be something that you can take part in so it doesn't need to fill it all in because the player would fill in some of it. However, I have to admit, video game characters that have silent protagonists piss me off (laughs) because they're like, well, you're (laughs) imparting yourself onto the character. I'm like, yeah, but this is why I like Titus. Despite the ha, 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 like despite that, it's cool that he has a personality because it's like the player, you know, it just doesn't feel right when in their own world lore story wise Mm -hmm. people can talk to you all day and the protagonist just like is it is it worse when (laughs) it's it's like that's nobody would want to hang out with somebody who doesn't talk yeah is it worse in a game when your character doesn't talk the others do but it's only uh through text like pokemon the the characters talk you don't that's a little bit better that's a little bit better just because the aesthetic of it being just quieter in general and it doesn't sound as blatant hi my name's john main character silence it's better but still i've played games where the protagonist through just text talks and i i always prefer the protagonist to have their own personality because i want to be although i'm controlling certain aspects of video game i do want to control or i rather i do still want to be a third person i want to enjoy the story that I'm have a hand in, yeah. not just oh I'm literally that character. This is why I almost never named my main character Kurt, yeah. because I don't want that to be me. I want that to be Crash Bandicoot or whatever. An easy comparison for me would be I think about when you play as Link, like in Twilight yes, Princess absolutely. specifically, doesn't talk. You're playing as him. 
but you don't I can honestly say looking back on it as much as I enjoy the game I don't have a connection to him at all <laughs> like zero now Sora Kingdom Hearts he talks he engages with it you know he has a character you're playing as him but you still feel like you're it, it's way more personal with Sora than Link like by far and <laughs> I don't think it's anyone can debate that yeah. or debate against that yeah. because it's because it's very clear that Sora has a personality. Sora is a certain way. And he you has... say people defend like the link <laughs> or characters who don't talk because you're projecting yourself. On... That's the only defense I ever get. People like yeah, and Aaron, I think that's, Aaron will tell me. I think me. that's weak too. Cause... Right. And, and because Dragon Quest, you know, there's a ton of Dragon Quest games. There's a ton of Final Fantasy. Well, Final Fantasy is a little bit better. But there's a lot of video games where the silent protagonist, Persona, right? Persona 5, which is a pretty popular game. Um, the character doesn't do anything. And I'm like... How can you expect me to believe that the protagonist of a story, in this case happens to be video games, is charismatic when he doesn't utter a word? Do you know anybody that doesn't talk that's charismatic? Because I don't. Right. I know people that talk a little bit less that are charismatic, and you hang on their words because they don't say as many. Do you think it's just... But if you say nothing, then you need to get the F out. (laughs) But do you think it's intentional that they just... Or do you think it's lazy, or like why would I don't think it's lazy. I, th- I well, I think do you, do you I think, think it's I deliberate think they, though. <laughs> I right. I think it's deliberate, and in tandem, it does help them not have to do as much work. I mean, let's mm-hmm. face it; you don't have to do as much screenplay yeah. if the character doesn't talk. But I do think that's way less dialogue. Because too. I have this theory about like um, in in fantasy characters. Um, I'm a cosplayer, a huge anime fan. As you know, so there are anime characters that are hated, and and video game. There's just fictional characters that are mm-hmm. loved and hated, and some are neutral. Like Roxas, sure, <laughs> but he sucks. <laughs> but there are a handful of characters that are beloved by everybody, and one such character is Dark Magician Girl from Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, really? she's good-looking, great, but that's not the bottom line that's just great people like her character design because she's attractive i get it but no matter where you go i don't know a single person says oh i hate her why because she has such little personality that even though she's not super exciting she doesn't need to be that because she's also doesn't do anything that could be offensive Mm -hmm. because she doesn't say or have any lore any you can oh she's probably like people that like bubbly girls Oh, I imagine she's really bubbly. People that are like quiet girls, she doesn't technically talk. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, uh, okay, so she's, she's probably really quiet. You can impart anything you want on her as a fictional character in your own mind so everybody thinks she's super cool. I don't know a single person that doesn't like Dark Magician Girl. Yeah. And there's very few other characters like that. Maybe Kakashi from Naruto. I know you probably don't know. <laughs> but he's a character people like because he's, he's a popular character because he's low-key, doesn't say much, and he doesn't have strong opinions about anything except for things that are universally enjoyed, yeah. such as like value your friends. Who's going to say that's a bad yeah. thing? But he doesn't have any strong opinions that could... Otherwise, he doesn't get in the way of right. himself. Right. And that's the only thing that I can see with the silent protagonist is they can be <clears throat> likable just through their character design and what they do. And you can make their personality whatever you want. But at the same time, you're putting that on the player or viewer mm-hmm. instead of being creative enough to make it. Because it's more impressive if you can make a character with their own personality and people like him. So, how well does that? translate to like movies i'm trying to think of an example wally comes to mind if you've seen that yeah actually that's a great example he doesn't 
It's all about talk, mannerisms. And it's mannerisms that you feel like you get. He does have a character. He has like, a personality. He has a personality sure. through his. He's sensitive. <laughs> yeah. But so I guess that's different than a video game where you're still controlling. Wally <laughs> is a very fascinating movie because first time I watched it, I was captivated, very captivated at the beginning because the way that they did the storytelling in the junkyard and stuff, the first 25 or so minutes, very captivating. Yeah. Then it got really no che- dialogue. Right. Just... But it was all visual storytelling. It was awesome. Yeah. I, like if, if the movie stayed on pace like that, it probably would have been one of my favorite animated Pixar movies. But as soon as they introduced that fembot and all the, like the fat humans, it really turned way more cliche and predictable from that yeah. point on. And it didn't. Seem... Where would you like? Where would you have liked to it have gone? See, I don't know because it's trying to make a point. It's I trying think. to make and a the, point, but yeah, the ve- Wally is the vehicle, you know. Right, this. but that vehicle could have gone a lot further without side characters that actually say more. Mm-hmm. And if they wanted to do an entire movie, and Pixar movies and Disney movies are never really that long, the animated ones, right. I, I think Wally's like probably like 90 to 110 minutes tops, probably. That being said, um, Wally could have, you know, I haven't really thought too much, so it's going to be a little on the fly. But yeah, I'm, I haven't seen it in a while. I, and now with Disney Plus, I'm kind of itching to add it to my queue to rewatch. I, I'm telling been... you, rewatch at least the first 20 minutes. Brilliant the way they do it. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the graphics are, are stunner, uh, stunning. Yeah. But I think that they could have done relationships with characters, even if the female bot didn't talk either. Mm-hmm. Instead, they do make her talk. She doesn't say a lot, but it's yeah. a whole, you know, while it, Wally goes from being his own character to being a simp very quickly. I see that, yeah. And that's and it's like... <laughs> He's still there, but he does become right, but almost it's like, secondary. Right, to the, but the like, issue is that, yeah, it, it, and that's how us humans relate because we understand that's how a lot of human men behave around mm-hmm. attractive females. Mm-hmm. But there are robots, and I think it would have been a lot more creative to have personalities that are befitting to their unique self. And you might think, well, that was an interesting reaction for a creature to have to something because yeah. – we see people every day. We don't need robots to be like us. I think it's more creative to have robots that act in their own way. How that would look, I'd need a lot more time to think about. Yeah. But Have you ever seen iRobot with Will Smith? I did. I did. Did. Did, you, did you like it? It was okay. I give it about a 5.7 out of 10. It was okay. It was just good enough that I might watch it again. I, I feel like it's one of those, it's weird that it almost kind of slid under the radar because then you still see it on TV every now and again like on major backwater movies and... are always on TV so <laughs> and I, it's not necessarily a backwater movie it, realistically iRobot is probably one of Will Smith's top 10 highest grossing movies yeah. because he's not in a lot of successful movies even though he's a household name mm-hmm. thanks to the Fresh Prince would you say he's better in that than Independence Day they're both kind of side yes <laughs> yes it's more drama in iRobot Independence Day is kind of just the funny. Right. Know, and Wild Wild West, I think, uh, if it wasn't Independence Day, then Wild Wild West might have been his highest grossing movie. Men in Black got kind of close. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's another. He's done a couple of sci fi In the 90s, like, he, he's had a few. Yeah, yeah. He's alien. had a few different things. But I don't know. If you think um, if you think he would be better in sci fi versus realistic, because, like, think Hitch or Pursuit of Happiness versus. Gemini Man, yeah. which nobody even saw, or or uh, Men in Black. He's, he's funny, 
but I think like he does do the like, the drama roles really well. Pursuit of Happiness, he did. I think like, he's he best really, in dramas as well. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he's he should kind of not do as many. Let the guy do what he wants. He's a grown yeah. adult, but like. <laughs> If I'm going to have a personal opinion, it yeah. would just be that I do like his dramatic acting more, which the highest rated episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air were the ones that were emotional, where he's like heartbroken about his dad and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this, those are the episodes where Uncle Phil and stuff have to like mm-hmm. have like a serious talk. Like I just bought the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the complete series for $35 on eBay like a week ago, interestingly enough. And I'm probably just going to binge watch it over like a month or something. Do you think it's impactful to see um, character actors maybe? Like I'm thinking Robin Williams and maybe Will Smith, who are maybe you first think of them as more funny comedy style, but then to see them in like serious roles because as I, someone who appreciates good humor and is a funny person, like seeing Robin Williams in um, – you know, like knowing him from Aladdin, but then seeing him in like Patch Adams or I'm trying to think of other series. Robin, like Williams, Good Day Hunting. Robin Williams has some of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Like Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, yeah. um, Dead Poet Society. That's what Those I mean. are some of the greatest movies that I've ever seen. They're in like my top 20 best movies ever. Mm-hmm. And Robin Williams is the same personality type as me and Myers Briggs. We're both ENFPs. Mm-hmm. Um, He's probably a little more introverted on that than I am. I could see that. Despite, you know, he, he just really liked his long time. But I see it, I've, I, you know, maybe not always, but in my adult life, I've seen, probably since like late high school on, I have seen a lot of myself in Robin Williams. Yeah. Because not only does he generally choose to be in existential films, and I love existential films i love the idea of existentialism Mm -hmm. because the world we live in sometimes i feel like it's too linear and to think that what you see is what you get is not satisfying enough Mm -hmm. so i like metaphors i enjoy writing poetry i enjoy metaphors and similes and stuff because it i feel like when you say something through metaphor it has so much more power Mm -hmm. than they're just saying you know I agree. The sky I think... is blue. Okay, great. Or like the fading sapphire curtain of the ever dust falls through the, you know, whatever. It's like, well, that sounds a little more impactful. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so I've always enjoyed that aspect of Robin. That's similar to well, what you were just saying there about something Jordan Peterson, I think, really talks about is how just the power of stories rather like you could just tell you can give a lesson to somebody and just tell them what's what. And I don't know if that's linear, like you were saying before, but he sometimes stories convey truth better than even just the truth itself. If that even makes sense. But like, it's, it's just interesting to think about that people gravitate more towards, right. They're more taken in by stories than they are by just learning about right from wrong. You know, I have to agree. I I do because but, but stories captivate people. That's why pastors and professors in college, mm-hmm. they generally use stories for more complex ideas because then it really helps you. Like, well, let me tell you a little story. And then I know that, like, I perk right up when a professor or a pastor is, like, going on and on. Yeah. And then they say, all right. So I was going fishing. And I saw this giant bird. I'm like, oh, where's this going? Yeah. Because stories are what reach us mm-hmm. um, more so than just 
facts. I'm sure there's some people that are half robotic that think yeah. that that's the best way is just to hear it flat. I'm sure. But most people from my experience, my limited experience, people under people remember stories more than they remember facts. Yes. Yeah. And they also remember feelings more than literal phrases. One of my favorite quotes about uh, social interactions is that people aren't always going to remember everything that you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Absolutely. And that's, that's something that I, that's a quote that I read years ago that I've kept in mind. And that's why I love leaving people better than I found them. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, <laughs> you want to make a connection like Patch Adams when he makes that, you know, he, he pokes his head out of like a tree and an old lady looks back. He's like, see, I made a human connection. Right. It's because people don't always get to see. Yeah. People people are in their shell. People are afraid. I think most people are very insecure and very afraid to be themselves or to interact with the world mm-hmm. for various reasons that I can't even get into because the list is too long. He did something that no drug or like any medicine could have done right. the same effect. And he like really believed in that. and mm-hmm. Being human. Yeah. Being which is another movie he's in. It's kind of a rough movie because it's boring, but mm. Being Human is, is a another existential movie along the line. Bicentennial Man. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. I love that movie. And I get choked up when the little daughter wants to give her little horse to Robin Williams' character. He's, he's, like, he's like, oh, you can have a like, floofy or whatever it is. And I'm just like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> and it's just because he's trying to understand like what makes people tick and what makes one human. Yeah. And it couldn't get more existential than that. Uh, an android trying to become human. That's not a... I don't think that's I a Disney. I don't think it's Disney. And I wonder if that it's was possible. inspired by a book or if that was what that it's was inspired be. by. Almost every Disney movie is inspired by a book. Yeah. Like, do, I, you, do you think that people view their lives as a story gen, like generally? No. Do you think they should? I think people... <laughs> I don't know if it's that simple. I don't know if it's... It's a you should or you shouldn't. I do think people view sections of their life as stories when they actually chop it up to say, all right, so I was at Kohl's. And this guy, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, it's an interesting story. By definition, it's a story. Mm-hmm. But most people, I don't think, really delve into the existentialism of this is why I'm here. This is, you know, this is this is the story that I'm in. Um, I know that Kingdom Hearts is cool because in Final Fantasy X, because they both talk about Final Fantasy X, he literally says, this is my story or whatever, only to find out he's dead later. But spoiler, the game's like 20 years old. Yeah. But um, it's just, yeah, everyone has a story, but not everyone thinks about it like that. People are just thinking, you know, some I'm, I'm almost afraid to say it. I think most people die without actually looking at the poetic rhymes of life that their life dances yeah. around. And so you, you think they sh- should or maybe more than they do because right. the reason I ask it is I like I, that's something I would think about that every person people really take to the hero's journey we love the hero's yeah. journey that arc mm-hmm. and all of us have things in our life that get in our own we either get in our own way or like we have an insecurity that we struggle with and it could be one thing it could be multiple things but do you feel that that's the hero's arc in their life is overcoming that thing. I, I, that's just what I'm thinking about. Like, is there something in your life, some evil you have to conquer, either external, internal? Like, that's the story of their life is 
I, you know, came up against opposition and I beat it and I conquered it and I was a better person. I found my true self, that sort of thing. That, that's what I think about when our lives being a story. Um, and like, obviously in a Christian sense too, mm-hmm. you know, like thinking that we have a, you know, we have a, a soul and a purpose and a, mm-hmm. and a design, but everyone, but it's all different. It's all different. Um, something you have to conquer is different than what I have to conquer sort of thing. But that's kind of what I meant by it. If that okay. makes sense. <laughs> Well, it's it's a lot to unpack, but to touch into that, I think I think the reason people like the hero's journey so much is because it represents to the common man or woman that um, it represents a meaning that is not always tapped into in our own lives because so much. Uh, so much of our lives seem like drivel, mundane, mundane. Yeah, the monotony of just going on. But like, people want if someone's going to be interested in anything, there's going to be some purpose. We seek purpose. Some people find this purpose in faith. Some people find purpose in sports. <laughs> some people find purpose in other people. Yeah. There's just way too many people that find purpose in just getting laid. But you know, <laughs> that's you know, obviously. Yeah. As a Christian, I, you realize that that's just, that's just little hormones playing tricks on your mind. It's fleeting. Right, it's fleeting. But, you know, most celebrities who have access to drug, sex, and rock and roll, whatever, they find themselves very depressed because they hit all those things. They feel like they reached the pinnacle of each um, flesh-desired thing. And then what does that but leave But have they really found that, themselves? What does that leave you with, right? But, like... But but as humans, what separates us from the animals, it, it, just speaking apart from the Bible and the mortal soul and everything, mm-hmm. what separates us from animals is that we have the ability to change. Animals can't really change. They have instincts and things that they can do. And some animals that are smarter in the animal kingdom can be taught certain things through humans and learn a couple things just as they get older. But generally speaking, they're going to follow their nature. And animals don't commit suicide on purpose. Like sheep fall off cliffs because they're dumb, but like animals yeah. don't get depressed, really. They don't, you know, humans evolve, humans change in not like evolution, but like in your own life, you're going to find that you think differently as you get older, you find something. And a lot of times when someone becomes a parent, they used to feel like the main character of their story, but then they become a side character because their kids become the main character. Yeah. And then they're a supporting character to support their kids main storyline yeah i mean a good parent i Kinda would like say a wally right <laughs> I mean, he still plays a part but right but i think <laughs> gets pushed to the side <laughs> exactly i think a good parent lets themselves become a side character hopefully a cool side character that gets to bolster the new main characters yeah. your children next generation whatever um well it's a sacrifice and it's a very it's a worthy one um, right and it's one that unfortunately not many want to make it's it's right. becoming less and less uh um, well, take yeah. Superman, for example. Superman is too good of a person, Kryptonian, whatever, mm-hmm. too good of an entity, let's say, to actually be replicated in real life. For some reason, he's morally perfect. Well, he, have you ever seen... You know, there's obviously times where he gets mind-controlled and Have stuff you ever seen Smallville? I might have asked you this. Smallville, yeah, he's, you know, it's a, that's different. But in the comics, he's yeah. pretty consistently, other than mind control, and a couple times where where uh, Lois Lane gets like abused or something, then he might flip a lid. But, but I think that even though 
he might have no flaws or he might do no wrong. He he still faces like the human. The, I really like Superman. I've grown to really like Superman, not so much just for the, like the Same. powers, but for the like watching Smallville. He's still experiencing heartbreak, and he's he has to sacrifice things, and he feels like the pain of the sacrifices he has to make. He's leaving Lana, his love interest, hanging because he has to go save somebody, and he can't tell her his secret. So, like Peter Parker is another one I really love in like the Tobey mm-hmm. Maguire Spider-Man's when he's protecting his love by yeah. choosing not to be with her. And it sucks, but it's very real though. And those are the, like the heroes that I really look up to because right. it's like to do what's right. It's a tough line, but at the end of Spider-Man two, when he says to Otto, um, sometimes to do what's right, we have to give up sometimes our dreams in order to do what's right. It's, we have to be steady and, right. and that's like a really powerful line and a very, just a very real, you know, you're talking about like yeah. existential and the, yeah. to be human it's, it's, it's something people don't want to think about. I've always but. loved sacrificial characters. One of my favorite film characters of all time is Jean Valjean and Les Mis because the guy lived a selfless life where he never got married, never did anything for himself, really. He just, yeah. well, after he you know was redeemed and stuff, and he, he just raised a girl that wasn't his. Mm-hmm. He was a good father to her. He lets her go. She gets married. He lives, you know, he helps people, works for people, saves people. And then throughout the entire time, he's just being a loyal, faithful mm-hmm serving man that never tries to pick out a part of life for himself but to just serve others until he literally dies in the end the most selfless character christian you know is just i i super relate to him but going back to superman what i want to say um superman the reasons why he's the ultimate quotation superhero is because he represents more than he actually is. He represents the best qualities that humans can have mm-hmm. all bundled up into one person. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh yeah, well he's just, he's loyal, he's faithful, he's strong, he's kind. He's somehow, you know, it's just like, he's always got your back. But the interesting thing is, uh, and I guess I read this somewhere or something, but Superman has a quality of, because humans seem to know that um good is supposed to be the norm because if superman does good then if let's say if superman were bad then you'd be like well something's not right he's evil he's doing whatever Mm. well something can only be bad if it deviates from our expectation of what the norm is so it when superman is as good as he is a lot of times people take that for granted because like well yeah he's good everyone should be good but then, you know, you realize um, it's, first of all, what's cool is it would be a huge burden on anybody to be good all the time. And then, you know, and I can't exactly remember the quotes, but it was brilliant to me. And I think I read it online at some point. But it was something about how the only reason that Superman is good is because what we stand for as humans is aligned with what Superman stands with. Well, yeah. I should say Superman stands in line with what we believe. Was but he if we believe to, something else, then that would be the norm. And it's just... Was he written to like some, represent some sort of like American superiority, like in the comics when he was... The, no, was but that a he, different, he, he was represent... He was, Superman was written in 30, 39, I believe, is the first comic. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think it was 49. I think it was 39. He was older than almost everyone except for Spring Hill Jack from the 1800s, which is an English superhero. Um, 
But Superman was written as an American, of course. Not he's Kryptonian, but yeah, yeah. he lives in America. Yeah. And he basically only does stuff in America, at least in the early comics. But the reason that he was built is to give people hope and dreams and aspirations mm-hmm. for especially young people to be like, wow, I want to be like Superman. He, he, like I said, he represents the greatest qualities of man and what we can aspire to, even though obviously he's beyond what we could really do, especially in the physical realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, and he, you know, so one of Superman's early quotes is, I fight for freedom, justice, and the American way. That's yeah, literally I, what he said. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so you know, freedom, justice... American way. I mean, who can really argue with that? You know, except Biden. So, (laughs) (laughs) fight for masks, not knowing that I'm president, uh, (laughs) playing with blocks. Um, But um, yeah, it. I I I went in waves. This is interesting. The last thing I want to say about Superman, at least for now, before we jump topics, because I sense that's coming, (laughs) is um, as a kid, I was indifferent to Superman. Early teens, I thought he was pretty cool. And then all the way until college, I thought he was too good, overpowered, boring. Boring because he didn't have any flaws. He's, he's just too good. Yeah. He can defeat anybody. He's perfectly moral, blah, blah, blah. But then in my adult years, it came full circle. And now I think he's sweet again because it's mm-hmm. like what you brought up earlier, the whole moral thing. The, the movie that I'd like to see if they made another Superman movie would be not I'm going to fight some bad guys. It's I have basically – other than omnipotency, and he can't be everywhere at the same time, omnipresence, he can only be in one place at one time, but he has to decide, if I worked around the clock, I could always find something to do, but then I have no time for myself, and is it selfish for me to take time to myself when I could always be helping other people? At what point do you put out, and then there's a moral dilemma, should I save this person? Should I save that person? Mm -hmm. How do I know I'm saving the right person? Is this person worth saving? Should yeah. I let this person die? There's a lot of moral dilemma there. there and that would he, be a brilliant movie to make. He, there's weight to his, the decisions he has to make. There's weight to every action and inaction. Yeah. And it's almost sort of like, it makes me think of the Bible passage of uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. So I think that's from, I could be wrong. Right. Like, um, I could check that, but yeah. it, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. It, Stanley, you, Spider-Man. Like expectations, too. You, Yeah, I, I am actually more into heroes now today as an adult than I was as a kid. As a kid, Same. I'm like, yeah, superpowers are I'm cool, gonna, but that's all you think about. I'm going to say the MCU really helped. Yeah. <laughs> Just, and I haven't seen them. Haven't I haven't seen, seen the whole MCU. You must have seen some of them. I've seen all the DC movies though, and oh, one of the you should definitely see the Russo brothers MCU movies, like Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Yeah, those are the best ones. One of the things I really like in Batman vs Superman, which I know everybody has their feelings about it. Yeah, Martha, why'd you say that name? We, you and I have talked about that, which I think makes sense, but nobody wants to agree with me. <laughs> and that's okay. clearly the creators do. It doesn't buy it. <laughs> When I saw it in theaters, like you just know the first time you're presented you know with something. No, he's not going to kill Superman. Yeah. Come on. But what was really interesting, I liked Jesse Eisenberg's Lex. I didn't right. mind it. He was a little eccentric and maybe a little Joker-esque. But, right. Um, I believe the reason people hated the Martha thing so much is we talked about this earlier today. 70% of people can't freaking introspect and put themselves in someone else's shoes. Man. If you woke up every freaking day 
in Batman's body. And every day, the reason you're doing what you're doing is because your parents are dead. Their names, their faces are going through your mind every mm-hmm. single day. And you're about to beat this guy's life out. And you're like, you know, whatever. He, he It doesn't matter what he did because the point is whatever. He's, he's freaking out. Even though it was more Zod's fault than Superman, but whatever. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> That's actually more of a problem to me than this Martha thing. Because then when he sits there and, he, and then you're – first of all, Batman doesn't like to kill. So – it's known that, like, in the early comics he did, but I forget that. Uh, he doesn't want to kill. So he's going to be reluctant to kill him in the first place. He doesn't want to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's going to kill Superman, he, few things going through his mind. Am I going to kill? Can I actually kill this guy? It looks like I can, but can I? He's Superman. And is it responsible to kill this guy who can literally save more lives than even I can? Mm-hmm. All that's going through his mind on top of... Thinking about that final blow, potentially final blow, and then some. Like, imagine that you are, yeah, you're depressed all the time, and then you, and then you, the reason you do, the reason you get up in the morning, the reason you go to work is because somebody close to you named Teresa died, and then you're about to beat up some bully, but no, no, you're, you're about to beat up some guy who's just like Superman, but in this case, you feel like he did you an injustice. Now. You're about to beat the crap out of him. And then he says, Teresa, you're, you're going to have some freaking pause. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. You're going to go, exactly what he said. Why did you say that? Can you read my mind? That's immediately what he think. He's freaking Superman. Yeah. Can you read my mind? And then he says, you can still save her. And then he's like, I, immediately yeah. he's thinking, my own mom who's dead, in your case, if it was Teresa or whoever this mm-hmm. fictional person is. How does that not make sense? When I explain it and people actually listen, everybody agrees with me that it makes sense. But people don't want to even listen to this. You're listening more than almost anybody. No, 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 Martha's gay. It's like, no. This is what's on your mind all the time. This is what drives him to be Batman. On top of, is it the responsible thing to kill somebody in general? And especially somebody who can, like I said, can kill, can save way more people than any other hero. Superman. He can fly around the freaking planet in seconds. And then he says a name that the Joker doesn't even have the balls to say Batman's mom's name. Right. Nobody says Martha. And then so and then he says you can save her. And then he's thinking, Well, this guy's and then he finds out it's Superman's mom. He's like, I see what it did to me. Why would I want someone else to suffer yeah. having a dead mom? Yeah. Suddenly it makes sense. The writers knew what they were doing, and everybody's just, Duh, Martha, this damn yeah. Tell me that doesn't make sense. It, it makes sense if you think about it. It's just people don't think about yeah. it. They you see that scene. And that's just it. That's what oh, doesn't make yeah. sense. I'm with you though, that you, you would almost, I wanted to see more of, have you seen the ju- new justice league? The I did Zack the Zack Snyder, Snyder cut. cut. It was way better. Uh, yeah. I gave like an eight out of 10 yeah. compared to the original justice league, which is like a five. Yeah. It was four. I, I was looking forward to seeing more of, well, Superman's not really, he's in it, but very brief. I would say like second half. Maybe less than the second half. Yeah, but he's, he's he also have, in this cool black suit. Yeah, that was neat something. that they did And the that. ice breath they showed, that yeah. was cool. I can't believe there was so much that they that was in this cut that wasn't in it. It was yeah. like a different movie entirely. But, you know, he the, the Man of Steel, that was really my introduction to Superman, I'm totally honest. Like, I didn't grow up watching the Christopher Reeve Supermans or any. I didn't see Superman I saw those Returns. very late. Like, two years ago, I finally saw yeah. them. Yeah. What'd you think? First one? Pretty good. Second one, I actually liked more than the first one, despite what everyone said. There's three? Four. Four. Four of the original Christopher Reeves. Um, third one, I can't remember the subcaption so long. Third one, it was okay. I think it had robots or something. 
and then it was all right. And then the fourth one, I think it's called Quest for Peace, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, he's just, that one's kind of goofy too. He's fighting like the sun deity or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's vague. This guy that like has power, he's basically like a Kryptonian, but he's not. And they fight on the moon. It's okay. The first two are the only ones really worth watching. Yeah. And I like the second one the most. What do you think of Zack Snyder, if you even have an opinion on his style? For some reason, he's a polarizing figure. I don't know why. I, I guess I could see why, but... I really didn't. wanted to see Deathstroke do something. He was at the <laughs> end of the movie, yeah. and he didn't get to do anything. I was very disappointed. But Zack Snyder, I think he's a good director. I think he's got skills. He seems very visual to me. He also did the Avengers movie, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Or was it Josh Whedon it's who Josh did Whedon. Justice League? No, you're right. Yeah. It was Josh Whedon. I'm wrong. Um... Like Man of Steel has just really Man of Steel's t- cool. It's got some really cool images in it. It's the and first time they show Superman struggling with his oversensory overload. Yeah. Because like he has to adjust to how overly powered he is. Yeah. And there were just little subtle moments where if you're not paying attention, you like he bu- the kids bullying him when he's really little. Yeah. And then years later when he's uh getting sort of beat up because he, he can't fight back or else he would you know again facing Murder problems because yeah. he, he could take him out if the he wanted the one but. thing and I get and I, I understand this is to humanize Superman the one thing I do not understand the guy is a freaking genius he's literally like a genius in the comics like he can like build stuff he has a genius IQ on top of all the strength he's super everything right so despite all of that how can you honestly think that you need to be in a relationship there's no way a woman of any caliber could stack up to you. I'm not going to... You're talking about Superman? Yes. Nobody's worthy of Superman. And you'd feel that, not in an arrogant way, but in a... I'm thinking on way too many levels, way too many times, I have way too much responsibility, and you're going to tell me this guy's going to be like, oh, I can't wait to Netflix and chill with him. It's like, you're not going to care about that. You're, well, if, the only thing I if could, you had that much power, you wouldn't care about women. The or, only or, thing I could think know? of is he comes from Krypton, yeah. he comes from a civilization that needs to, just like, the, similar to the humans, right. procreate. Sure. And I'm just saying, if it's in your... But those to, women on his planet are his tier, because they can fly <laughs> around, they can... Freaking yeah. crazy powers. Well, then what does he like about Lois? Exactly. No, if, written, I'm, what really? What does he... What uh, are we it doesn't really go... In, like, he likes her right off the bat. Obviously, he finds Is her attractive. Is it because she... In Man of Steel... Obviously, he finds her attractive. That's, well, then that's there you given. go. Okay, that, She great, doesn't need to fly. Great, that's, but the guy can fly over the planet. You're telling me that she's the most attractive person in the entire world. Maybe she is. To him. Well. First of all, you're Superman. You can get any woman you want. I'm sorry. All right? He picks this woman... And then anytime she gives him a hard time, if I were Superman, I'd be like, well, I'm going to find someone who never gives me a hard time, which is an impossible quest because women. Therefore, you'd be single. It just doesn't make sense. I if think, you follow your I mind to fruition, you would never have a girlfriend. He might like hang out with someone for a little while. He's like, well, she sucks. Next girl, well, she sucks. Because nobody's going to be as moral as him. Keep in mind, he's the most moral entity on the planet Earth. And we all know that man or woman, any human, is not moral. So you're not going to want to... Hang out with someone for extended periods because they all suck. They do. He's the only guy that's moral. That's, yeah. He's basically like super Jesus. Like not to be like, but you know, I don't want to be like blasphemous or whatever. But it's, it's basically yeah, Jesus is single because he has he's peerless. He, he's there's he's no no one's worthy of Jesus. He's a Christ like right, and nobody's worthy of Superman. So it doesn't make sense that we even have a girlfriend. Yeah, but that's you know. I hear that. Yeah. Again, if you really if you think deep about right, it, but it um, yeah, people hate introspecting because that ruins the magic, I guess. But I think it just makes storytelling deeper. Yeah, 
You mentioned earlier about Lord of the Rings, like what you like out of film. Mm. Would that fall under escapism? Is that the right? Like well, when you talk about world building, mm. you know, Lord of the Rings, you're you step into another world, or I guess maybe the Marvel universe, if that's another, or Star Wars might be better. You feel like you you're stepping into another world, and then you're thinking about how you would interact in this world and then you kind of do it through the characters as, as their journey unfolds is that kind of what you're, you're getting at with what you like about them or is it something different so you're asking what primarily is the reason that i enjoy these things yeah what is it about because isn't escapism isn't that like that's the thing that's the allure that's what people like about it because th- it makes me feel like i'm somewhere i'm right I think that's definitely the reason that most people go to see movies. Mm -hmm. That's why you go to a movie theater and don't stay home. That's why movie theater is still in business even after COVID. It's because people like not only the... Shooting (laughs) (laughs) Diamond hands. (laughs) People want to do something outside the ordinary, and that's why they could easily Netflix and chill, but it's almost unanimous other than some people like my little sister are weird and they just don't like going to theaters they'd rather always be at home but whatever it's weird most people seemingly if money's not an object or whatever then they would go to the theater for the experience of going out going out with friends a lover it's whoever the sound it's go the, out and yeah. you're in a different place you're in a dark environment you get to be part of the, a community a little bit even if you're not talking to a strangers person it se. is communal even if you don't talk to them, right right, right. You're, it you're is being, communal it's part of stimulating the economy it just feels like you're doing something like if you sit around all day and fold socks you're gonna feel like wow i didn't do anything What's wrong with that <laughs> perhaps nothing if you're tim orbjetti but <laughs> <laughs> name drop but um but uh no i'm with you're you, gonna yeah. feel like you're not doing much but sometimes just going out to target you feel like, oh, I did something with my day. Did something. So going yeah. out to a movie feels more productive to most people than staying at home to watch a movie. So that's just one aspect is going to the theater. But that's part of what leads into the escapism. Mm-hmm. Or feeling like there's something bigger. Because like my dad uh, used to say before uh, that he, like almost every night that there was company over, he's like, so are we going to watch a movie? Like, it was so funny because he would say it as though it was already preordained. Instead of, does anyone want to watch a movie? It was, so when are we watching a movie? Like, it was already planned. Like, yeah. nobody even said it. Like, it's so funny. You just assume to people, mm-hmm. you watch a movie after, at the at night. And when everyone, but like, that's because to him, again, it was an escape. Escape from work, escape from his own mind, mm-hmm. whatever. And I think for a lot of us, yeah. And I enjoy that too. But. I also just like more stories because I feel like I, I enjoy the lore because it's unique. It stimulates my brain. I like creative ideas. And it also adds to my repertoire. So not only can I make references to movies, I can... We do that. We do that. Yeah. We do that in, in abundance. But, but it also just makes me feel more cultured, makes me feel more... You know, they say knowledge is power. How does one acquire knowledge? Well, by listening and reading. That's pretty much it. That's how we acquire knowledge, listening and learning. So, and I love reading and I love watching movies because it's like sometimes you learn stuff from movies. Sometimes you learn, and you, sometimes you can emulate emotions. You come out, you hear quotes. There's this beautiful quote. I just saw the movie Tolkien, which uh, which I, I just picked up the other day, which is about shocker, J.R.R. Tolkien. And when he was younger, 
um, Phil Collins' daughter, Lily Collins, just is in it. <laughs> Love her. And um, she plays Tolkien's eventual wife by the end of the movie. Um, and it's all true story and stuff. But then there's a point in the movie that Tolkien's all depressed and, and he like drinks into the night until he annoys the crap out of people. And then like the next day, his, his best bud sit with him. They're watching a fencing match to get their mind off things. And then his friend says, and the reason Tolkien was depressed is because his girlfriend, because of they went to different universities and stuff, she went and got engaged to some other man. So all true story too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so his good friend like takes him to the fencing thing and he says, if we listen to the poets for what it's worth, because his friends his friends into poetry, he's like, if we listen to the poets for what it's worth, if somebody doesn't. If if you when you love somebody and for whatever reason they do not reciprocate that love, it's almost more beautiful that the love that you have for them is temporary, burns bright, stays. I can't remember the exact quote, but essentially he's saying it stays in the same place. It's never burdened or worn by overuse, or uh, or monotony and stuff. And it's like. The love you have for somebody, even if it's just for a short little while, you know, it's like a flash frame. It's the reason why Jack and Rose in Titanic, like, oh, they're the best love ever. Yeah, but if they actually stayed together and nobody died, they'd be miserable living under a bridge. It's like, it's just how it is. But when you have temporary love, it's never stained by reality or overuse because eventually things are not, You're gonna, the rose tints goes down. But when it's temporary and when it's not love, the most pure love you can have or most, maybe not pure, but the most powerful love you can have is one that is unreciprocated because when it is reciprocated, initially it'll feel great. But it'll eventually, very quickly, quicker mm-hmm. than you might think, honeymoon phase after people get married usually, it turns very much into the mundane life. They're yeah. like, really? I, I, you know, people write songs like, I'll run to the end of the world to be with you. It's like, okay, but in three months, we're just going to be sitting on the couch. Like, that's what you ran to the end of the world for to hang out with somebody who tells you to close your sock drawer? I really like, I th- if I'm understanding it, I think I really like that because it means that like when you think about love, willing the good of another, but doing whatever, wanting the best for the other person and expecting nothing in return. And if mm. you, you're, so you're saying it's if when you love somebody or they don't love you back, mm-hmm. it's just like one of the strongest loves, if not the right. strongest. And or, it's, it's untainted and untouched because it's not spoiled so long as you're willing right. to continue it's not to used love them. or abused. It's right. Like you're, and it's not overstayed because mm-hmm. it can't get uh, too it open. Ruined, it yeah. can't be ruined because it's almost just on a fantastical plane that can be untouched. There will never be a greater relational man, woman, let's say love than you are on vacation setting the mood. It is late at night. You're out of state. Cool, crisp air. Autumn leaves flow by. This very beautiful woman steps out of a cab. Right next to you on a park bench. You strike up a conversation. You're interested because she brings up a topic that you don't normally hear, especially from a woman. You spend just a few minutes together. Minutes about to turn into like an hour as you go for a walk. You're going around. You might stop at a coffee shop. 
you learn about some interesting things. She makes you laugh. You make her laugh. Her lovely locks blowing in the night. She smells amazing as you embrace her. Just a light, friendly hug. Mm -hmm. But you're hoping that this turns into more. And you hold her hand. You're walking down a cobble road. But then you're thinking about the future and what could actually be and how can someone actually be this cool? You've never met somebody like this. They just beat for beat. They're just matching you. Yeah. Their comedy, their affection, their depth of intellect seems to match yours on every pace. And she gets back into a cab after she hails it. She jumps inside. Yeah. The cold air escorts her away in her vehicle. You place your hands in your pocket. You go back to your hotel or wherever you're staying. You never see her again. Mm-hmm. That's the strongest love you're ever going to feel because it's temporary. The value of something is increased because of its temporary status, not because of how long it lasts. Mm-hmm. Of course, love can be proved to be enduring because it lasts long. But the passion aspect and the excitement level will never be at the high that it is when you cannot yeah. truly attain it. And that's why I think lasting love is that constant recommit. Right. You're, you're, it's the reality. I don't know if people really think about it. You're constantly recommitting yourself. It's like if you're married, every morning you wake up, you're recommitting yourself to that person. It's because, like being a Christian. you got to recommit yourself to God. Yeah. You know? Well, what you're saying too, it, it reminds me really – Christ extends love to, you think about it, like the whole human race and maybe only a fraction accept it to some degree and then most people reject it, yet his love is still there even for those who don't accept it. And the idea, though, is that if you accept it, he doesn't want you just to keep it. He wants you to then give it to others and share it. That's the only way love works. It can't just be give and take it's love is not self-serving right you have to but it it starts there with that you know like that desire and Mm -hmm. and i mean that's how i hear it described is that like christ has this desire for people human souls that's why he died but then from it's not just that like he loves us like we think of typical a typical lover in a shallow sense but he wants he wants to show us love so that we can then also give it because when we express love to others, it's it's the best feeling we could. Right. It's like why it's greater, better to it's give rather than to receive. Greater to give than receive. Right. And of course that that to, like I I was talking about this not that long ago, and I just when you hear that line, God is love, and everybody knows it. Most Christians hear it, and they they're like, yeah, yeah, God is love. It's a throwaway but, phrase because you hear it so often. I know. But when you, but it to means this a day, lot. It means... but to this day when I hear that, it's like, really think about that. That's like, I'm still thinking about it. You know, that's not it. Well, it cool. means that God is more than just. You know, most people we always pick out like, oh, you Christian, he's some yeah. evil man in the sky who casts judgment and tells you what to do and what not to do and unreasonable and you know, whatever. But it's like, what do you think? love what we think of love whether you're an atheist or a christian but then to say that god is that for like you think of love as like a force or like a, a spirit you know holy spirit you know <laughs> i don't know it's just way more complicated than that i don't know i it's, it amazes me that people don't just think about that even more even believers i feel like it's like man god is love and but they don't actually really think about it I don't it's because you belong and, to the 30 <laughs> percent we're always going to come back to that it's but, true. Um, it's why most people don't think of these things. Yeah, they're too busy thinking of saying "go bells." You know. But that's <laughs> yeah, so that's the other thing. You, know, you mentioned celebrities earlier too, and you, you could have 
it's amazing to me to just think about it. I could have everything I could ever want, ever, whatever, house, car, person, pe- people in my life, whatever. Like, you could have everything you could ever want and you could still be unsatisfied. To me, that is an incredible, and it's a re- I, to me, it's a reality that you could have everything you could ever want and still be unsatisfied and unhappy. It's a beautiful yet, testament to But what? we pretend like that's not real, but it's so real. Whether Whatever you believe, like, you can't tell me that if you got everything you wanted, then you, after 24 hours, or maybe it would last a week or a month, maybe it would last a year or a long time, but eventually it wears out, you know? But people pretend like it doesn't, and, you know, it's tough because I'm, you know, I'm generally a capitalist. <laughs> you know well, that. Chasing after the wind, right? As but you, says. everything, and I, I, I will admit that it's not necessarily morally perfect. So I don't really see it as a moral system, you know, no. people try to attack it. But, and a lot of it is based off of creating a need and then getting you to, buy, you know, buy something that maybe you don't need. And, I think capitalism <laughs> is, is, in its simplest form, is... Um, stimulating the economy through developing hard work and essentially hard work gives you potential and opportunity to make more. And then by doing so, hopefully inspire others to do the same. So capitalism doesn't work when everyone's lazy. If everyone works hard, capitalism's a great idea. And we're kind of stuck between systems that have been for a while. Right. You got too many people on welfare and crap. Yeah. And it, I just so maybe my issue isn't necessarily with capitalism because I just don't view it as like a moral system. If that makes well, like, the American dream, right? The American dream, yeah. as as usually defined, it allows for good. <laughs> the American dream is generally capitalism. It's right. Yeah. It's develop. It's manifest destiny, as they used to call it, where you go out and you achieve your goals. You get the job you want, the woman yeah. you want, the man you whatever you know. And you get the career, you get the lifestyle. But then when you have all that, when it tops out, you know, if because most people don't get to experience that, you can literally look at it like a game of Monopoly. Mm-hmm. You ever really ahead in Monopoly? It's really boring. <laughs> when you are winning in Monopoly and you have like, if you're the kind of person that plays with all the properties and you don't get a one-side Monopoly, mm-hmm. you might have like, it's down to the last two or three people. You have like 80% of the properties you know, if you have any semblance of conscientiousness, you'd probably do well, this is anyway what I do. I usually am like, here's five hundred dollars here, you pay that. <laughs> it's like you just you don't care and you lose yeah, yeah. value. It's not like I gotta get that property. It's like mm-hmm. you want one of my properties, you're about to lose, you know? It's well, it's competition. You, you feel is, bad for people because competition it's, is you know, good though. And we forget that. It that can like, be. It can keep us on our toes, it can keep us the fire burning. But you, you don't want to constantly, you, you don't have that desire to want to constantly improve if you don't have competition. You know, you don't. Right. It's, which you, is all, if you win a monopoly, it's like, hooray, or hooray, you own everything. Which just happened at work the other day. There's a, there's a contractor that comes to my work. His name is Mark, and he's with the company Pooley. And he said that he used to be a vendor for General Mills where I work. And he serviced various machines i don't know the extent of his job but him and another contractor um andy bolton used to compete and they'd show up and like ah you need my service now you need my service and they both showed up a lot but general mills essentially agreed to do andy bolton instead of mark balcom so 
as soon as Andy got the contract, he stopped. He, he decided to be lazy, and Mark like hates him. He's like, "You ever see the guy anymore now that he won the contract?" Right? Not really. Like he barely ever comes over to service anything because he's like, "Oh, I already got it." So I don't. I can do the bare minimum because I'm not competing. Because General Mills decided they're only going to do the one. So Mark will show up once in a while for like the one or two things that he does. Andy has like the majority shareholder of like the that the mechanical field that they work in, and so. Andy barely does anything, barely shows up. Mark's always trying to show up to try to prove that he needs to be used more and they need to buy, you know, they need his services more. While Andy sits back in a chair and shows up three times a year while machines are failing and belts are breaking and stuff and he's not fixing anything because he's like, yeah, well, we have a contract, so we're gonna all, they have to pay us yeah. regardless. And, like, and that brought up the whole thing. You eliminate competition, people don't want to try so hard. Yeah. So that's literally what happened at work. So that kind of gets me to what well, might be our last question, but it's right. it it's kind of really broad. But I want to try to tie it into what we were just talking about with like monopoly or yeah, like yeah. big. What is your prediction for the future? But I want to like be specific with. We have big companies, Amazon right now, mm-hmm. which we all use and we all love it, and we've all you know. Well. I mean, well, it's cha- you know, opinions ways, changing. In, in ways, we love Amazon, yeah. but, but we know that on a corporate level, they're a bunch of jerks. Yeah, <laughs> and and employees are peeing in mason jars. Yeah. But, mm. we we love our technology. We love what these companies have provided. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we all love yeah. our phones. We love the convenience. You know, COVID accelerated all of that. With you think about it, you really don't have to leave your house for anything now. Your groceries can be brought to you. And I, it's tough asking this question because I don't, I don't even have an answer, but it's like, what, like, what is your prediction for the future with the country? Or well, you could do that, but it's kind of big. Um, Our personal I think we could say culturally. Or, um, well, culturally is even bigger than the country because that's yeah. the, the world's culture, <laughs> you know. What do you think is going to happen? We'll get specific. I want to try to be specific. Like, let, let's take like a company like Amazon. Like, what do you think is what ends up happening with a company that big? Well, they're <laughs> going to sell everything. Uh, they're going to be in everything. So Amazon's going to have a theme park. Amazon is going to uh, have their own computer line. You know how you got Apple and Microsoft? There's going to be Amazon computers, Amazon phones. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. So Amazon's going to have all these different things, and there's going to be a battle of monopolies. And, like, it's it's not going to – the other companies are so big that I don't think in our lifetime we will see it become a linear single company running the world. But the big companies are just going to get bigger unless mm-hmm. someone like Teddy Roosevelt gets out and, like – Somebody like even Donald Trump, somebody who's willing to crack down on these guys and say, we need to regulate the F out of these guys because yeah. they're cheating you – know, they're getting way too much, way too powerful. You can't have that much pull. Otherwise, without competition, it's not especially with tech because it's so integrated with every aspect of our life now. Right. That Amazon's gonna have Amazon Bank, right? They probably already do in some sense, but like, 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 they'll have their own banking thing. They're gonna take over HSBC, mm-hmm. and then you know, they're gonna have their own oil company. Weren't people worried about Walmart doing the same thing though? For a while? Was when did Walmart right, really take off? Right, but the issue with Walmart is because they, the guys in charge, despite being extraordinarily wealthy, they don't have the innovative mindset that they should to, to expand. They expand what they're already doing. They do not, they, they do not expand their scope so much as they expand their, 
warehouses. So yeah. more Walmarts, more Walmarts. Meanwhile, Amazon like, variety. we're going to do we're going to do more Amazon stores and do groceries and do this and do that. Amazon Prime, Amazon whatever. If Walmart was smart, then they would catch up and do Walmart Plus, <laughs> whatever you know. They might be doing Paramount that. <laughs> Plus is now a thing. Yeah, and the new iCarly is going to be on it, which is strange. Another <laughs> streaming service. I'm like, that's really. A I thing. think Nickelodeon. Is, yeah, Nickelodeon is going to be on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, like that people worried that Walmart was going to put all small businesses out, and yet they endured. And now Amazon, I mean, Amazon has done a number. <laughs> Well, the problem is because Amazon and eBay, honestly, like eBay is like the unsung hero because like, <laughs> if you want to call it that, because <laughs> eBay doesn't ever feel like it's sneaky. It doesn't feel like it's ever taking over, but people are still buying. Yeah. Like nobody's ever like, oh man, eBay's taking over the world, yet they've been around longer than Amazon yeah. and they sell literally everything. And the prices did, are so much better on eBay than if you go to a store. I know, just but what did Amazon do different? I mean, I've watched videos to understand it, but it's, it's like, what did they do different? They started off as books, right? Yeah, um, books it was, it was then, books. It worked from a garage originally. It was like a little shop. And then, but I just saw something that they're still not technically making a profit because they're constantly reinvesting everything that they make. Sounds like some Fortune Street. I have business. not heard of that, but yeah, that sounds like a lot of spruce. But like at the moment they flip a switch, they are going to turn a profit. Like I think even like their prime, I'm not a subscriber. Well, their stock like, is so high that as long as their stock remains where it is as long or as they keep higher, spursing. right? Then you know, and they're majority stockholders and stuff. But as long as their stock remains high, then they can utilize the fake money until mm. it becomes real. Do you think that people like having a choice in where to shop? Because yes, but people are. I feel also like there's less options now. You're kind of I mean, sure, but no, sure, but no. The reason I say it is because yeah, there's the easy answer. Oh, let's go to Walmart. Let's go to Target. Let's go online, eBay or Amazon. But you want particular things? There's still thousands of websites, thousands of stores where yeah. you can just pick up stuff that these other places just don't have. But you have to be willing to want niche stuff. And it's kind of nice that the hipster community brought back stuff like bookstores and coffee shops because yeah. they, they don't want, you know, stuff that everybody has with Chinese labor. They want, yeah. they want like, oh, well, I want to spend $50 on a venti. You know, mm -hmm. it's like hipsters are kind of like vinyl records have come back who yeah. predicted that who thought vinyl records would be popular again those were no. on their way out in the 90s now they're in and you can't find, really find cds anymore you know, right they're harder to find yeah. but i mean they're still making cds like a lot of bands still dropping cds but more of the trendy artists any of the pop artists they just have digital stuff yeah and you know they might have see i don't know but it's but real bands like metal rock People, they're still doing CDs because yeah. they know there's a market for it. But how long that lasts, I don't know. And that's one of the most depressing thoughts to me as far as technology goes, is thinking that I'm going to have all these DVDs and CDs and I won't have a way to play them. Yeah. Well, I'm sure people felt that way with... Uh, Vinyls, and that was 60 they came years earlier. What, is VHS going to come back? I doubt it, but... No, because people still to this day will claim that vinyls are higher quality. I'm like, I don't know if that's even true. People claim it, but I, I don't have perfect pitch either. I think it's in the way that they're they're made and the way that they're... They're also more delicate, though. That's the thing. They get warped easier. Which could mean, yeah. So, like, uh, you know, there's a novelty. I think the novelty supersedes the practicality of, yeah. of a vinyl. I have some vinyls, LPs or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... 
There's, you know. <laughs> but there's no way to predict exactly what's going to happen with everything. Well, that's for sure. I mean, but technology is a big t- that one we could go on for a long time. Yeah. yeah. What's the, what's the future of technology and? But oh jeez, yeah. I we talk about like it seemed like I VR about, came and went. Well, I, mean, I thought about they're gonna have a phone that looks like a pen. I've thought about this since I was a child, right? Because I like sci-fi. So a pen. This is your phone. It's also a pen. It's a refillable pen, so you can keep using it. Like, how do you use that a phone? Literally, a holographic screen comes out, and you could like Tony Stark. I guarantee that's going to be a thing. Guaranteed. Also, people didn't believe me when I said this, but this is already starting to be a thing. HD TV projectors. That way, you don't have to buy a massive TV that weighs a lot. You just get a little box. Whether you put it on the ceiling or put it on the floor, even if the, you put it right up against the wall, the way they can layer it. You can have just as big as the wall you want it to be on. Just yeah, and then you, know, you just then, need a good backdrop, though. You know, right? And, but it's you got a sheet. You know, you need a smooth. They can sell backdrop sheets, whatever they need. You know, and because the best, the most practical would be to put it at the foot of like a wall if they could blast it up, because that way you can't like put your hand in front of it and ruin the picture. But that's obviously going to be a thing mm-hmm. because eventually TVs are just annoying to cumbersome yeah to carry around and stuff i think about with young kids and like handprints on the screen and or right. even just like them falling over and breaking yeah, but so. it's, it's gonna be almost it's gonna be nigh unbreakable so it's just that's obviously the way it's gonna go so yeah. what is pirates of the caribbean what about it? nigh what does he say nigh unreachable nigh no. impregnable um he's talking Which about movie? the black pearl like nigh unchaseable because yeah, it's some, the fastest ship in the. I just saw. Just you right. saying not that in that way is what made me think of <laughs> pirates. <laughs> just yeah. waiting for Davy Jones. To but there's, uh, I don't know how I can loop this back into the conversation to make sense. But there's another movie quote that I want to say regarding um, love before, and we jump topics. That's okay, whatever. Um, uh, one of my newer favorite movies. Is called The Professor and the Madman. And it's on Netflix. And it's Mel Gibson and Sean Penn. And they're both old dudes. And it's about the creation of the first dictionary. Hmm. And if you like literature, as I do, then it's a very fascinating movie. Based on true story. And so Sean Penn's character makes a painting. He's a criminal because of like a crime he committed. But he's also like, very bright. So he helps out through his prison cell, basically, with making the dictionary. And they give him like access to a bunch of books so he can help out and stuff. And they're trying to root out the origins of words and all that. Anyway, some girl that he likes. I don't want to ruin the movie because it's probably worth seeing. I just got it on DVD. But there's a point where he makes a painting. And then when Mel Gibson sees him, he's like, so who's that? Because it's, it's a very adequate painting of a woman. And he says, I call it the impossible. She's my friend, but it can never be or whatever. And then Mel Gibson's like, the more impossible, the greater the love. And that quote stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he's right. Because every girl, not every girl, but a lot of girls that I wish I was with that I may never see before. There's a girl named Nicole Guerin at ECC. I saw her like five times. Super friendly, super smart. Gorgeous, of course. Disappeared off the map. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find her again. Probably never see her again. 
But I remember thinking, she's so awesome. I'm never going to find a girl like that again. And then at other points, there's girls that you give me. And then it's like, it's the ones that you can't be with, whether they're in another country, they're whatever, or you get they're attracted. Or, or, or they're with somebody. <laughs> or, or, or it's just kind of like stupid. But like, there'll be like people like Audrey Hepburn. Well, she was born too. She's dead now. <laughs> but like when you see in those movies, you're like, I wish I had a girl like that. But she's not even like in your time. Yeah. Or whatever it is. And... Or maybe someone's like too young for you. If you're like 50 years old and they're like 20, it's like, they'd be awesome. But like, I can't see that happening. I think. But knowing that you can care about somebody and that it will never come to full fruition, going back to the other quote from Tolkien, it's untainted and it, yes, it can turn into obsession, hopefully not, but it's like, you can be satisfied with knowing that you just want what's best for that person, even if you can never end up with them. Yeah. Well, I think you're thinking about the possibilities and that's like exciting to think about yes. what could have been right. or what, you know, we all do that. Possibilities are more never. exciting than reality. It's just almost always <laughs> because concepts as, as an intuitive thinker myself, concepts are more enthralling, more captivating than the reality of anything. Like sometimes just thinking about, like I go to anime conventions, thinking about, oh, I'm going to meet this person. I'm going to hang out. I can't wait to do this. Yeah. That gets me super hyped up. And inevitably when I get there, I'm like, all right, long lines. I can't find my friends. This music sucks, whatever. <laughs> and I usually have a good time. Don't get me wrong. That's why I keep going. They're decent. They're, they're fun. Yeah. But it's never as good as I initially build up. You spend this much time, this person, and this. If you have a creative mind, your expectations will never be fulfilled in, in, their, in full. Mm-hmm. So. But I think it's, Still, you could still find peace, though. Right. It's not to say you got to be somber or depressed about it. You you can like live with it, but it's just concepts and the what you can never have is greater than the things that you do have in a worldly sense. And I think the like that's I say worldly sense because the only thing that's a caveat to that is God. Yeah. Being having the Holy Spirit in you, having God in your life is more fulfilling than not having him. Yeah. Um, and it gives you more of a sense of comfort and peace and freedom having him. Um, but everything else can only be dreamed about being as good as it is. And you ever look at a picture online of like a study, a library or like a grassy hill, whatever your aesthetic is, right? Yeah. You see a really cozy or gorgeous place, you're like, man, that looks so awesome. One of mine would be like late at night in a nice library with a comfy couch. You've shared pictures of places yeah. that like, like think the common like Gryffindor yeah. common room, right? It's like places with nice comfy chairs, yeah. a roaring fire. You got some nice books and tables. You're only among people that you really love and care about. It's cozy. It's dark. Maybe someone throws a movie on, or maybe just the radio's playing quietly. It's just peaceful, nice yeah. ambiance, lights flickering. It sounds awesome. But if you were there, you'd probably still have a good time. But any of these settings that you see in these really nice pictures, sitting in that chair, being on that couch, is not as comfy as looking at that picture. Because Mm. looking in there, you're taking in the whole picture. When you're sitting on the couch in the middle, suddenly it's like, I can see the fireplace. Now I turn my head. Now I can see the desk. I turn my head. Now I can see the other desk or whatever, the fire, whatever. And... And it's like, yeah, I'm here. It's cool. It's cozy. But it's not as cool as 
looking at the whole picture for some reason. Because I, I think it you're still from it. You're still imagining the possibility. Like, I don't right. Know, it's, it's, still, it's it's you're thinking about the potential, but then once you're there, right. You know, it's, it's like when you're well, you see like a gorgeous garden or a big field. You lay down in the grass. You see like a nice people grass. You see other people laying down in the grass in like mm-hmm. movies or TV or whatever. And you're like, wow, why don't I do that? You lay down. Oh, there's bugs. You know, it's like, it's never, yeah. it's never as good as it looks. Well, I think this might not be the exact same. It might not be what you're saying, but you know, I went to Colorado and you you dream about climbing a mountain. You, know, you watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, I've done it, that there too, but uh, uh. you you know, you watch Lord of the Rings and you think about like going on a journey or you see a picture of a mountain and like the view and it's incredible. It's romantic. So I, I climbed this mountain in Colorado, I'm at 14,000 feet above sea level. Mm. Highest point I've ever been in my life mm-hmm. uh, other than flying, obviously. but like by my own two feet, I get to this yeah. point yeah. and I got, and I'm, I've told people that I was because of the elevation and right? four hours of just to climb to the top. I was in pain and I was slightly miserable. I mean, and, and it made it hard to kind of take it in what I was seeing around me, if that makes sense. Like I, right. You get to the pinnacle and looking yeah. down. Did you and get then the it's, view? And then, well, actually I'm looking down and I'm like, shoot, I have to go back down. <laughs> like you think I'd be just taking it all in and embracing it. And I, I don't want to say that that's how I felt the whole time, but cause I, I did looking back, mm-hmm. but, but looking back on it now, I have good memories and feelings looking back on it more so than I was in the moment, if that makes sense. It does. It, it, I, I think looking forward <laughs> and looking back are always more dreamlike than the reality. Yeah. Because even though, I love this quote, um, if looking to the past makes you depressed because of things that are no more and looking to the future gives you anxiety for things that may or may not be, mm-hmm. then perhaps the best place to be is the present. However, however, this is your, however, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now this isn't the quote. This is my addition. Yeah. <laughs> however, when it comes to aspirations of beauty and enjoyment and the excitement perhaps the most excitement the most enjoyment i feel i'll just make it personal that i feel is looking back or forwards even though i'm at peace the most when and you're I'm, a pretty present person like when i hang out with you you're not you're not i'm, I'm glad you say that because i don't always feel it but I'm, I'm encouraged to hear that yeah but in the the present is where i do and most people feel the most peace is just living in the moment. But when you are, when I, again, personal, when I am looking to the future or to the past, I feel the most romantic drawn to, oh, that's so nice. When I look Mm -hmm. back or look forward, might not verbalize it, but I think that's such a pleasant feeling. And, but also there's sadness in it because I'm not there. So, but, but I'm at Curry, peace. you might you might be hitting on eternity, in a way. Doesn't it seem like it? Because you're talking about. It's very interesting. I want to hear what you have to say about this. <laughs> I don't understand fully what you're saying. So go on. You know, we think about eternity. At least I did when I was a kid, and it freaks the hell out of you. <laughs> it. I mean, I maybe just maybe just to me. I mean, I, other people have told me this. 
us. Well, but. hell does because eternal well, pain. Yeah. That's that's the scariest thought on the planet. But eternal D damnation E eternal damnation. So good but, but, festival. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Eternal. Uh, uh. <laughs> Go on. Eternity. It eternity. It's high it, attack. Go on. It's high attack. It's the next big thing. Um, no, that like what you're describing in a way, it, it, I don't know, it just makes me think of eternity. This constant feeling of this, this romantic feeling of what has been and what is yet to come. Because maybe if you're in the present, you're fearing what's to come because I don't know. It, just from what you just told me, I don't know. It just made me think about like maybe that's the state you have to reach to embrace what eternity is because I don't know. Some a people... state meaning <laughs> contentedness in the present or in a constant dreamlike state of contentedness back and forth? that what are you, you, you have been and you will be. <laughs> that makes so sense. Like... to match the con contentedness of the past, the present and future and realize that it's all one big family. <laughs> is <laughs> sure. that what you're saying? Sure. Well, I don't know because some people are, they're afraid of the future. They regret the past. Yeah. And what you're talking about seems like the opposite of that. And but it's also being real about it because you mentioned like the sadness too. But right. I but I would probably cut the sadness out too because I, I believe you know heaven. The idea is yeah, there is no more sadness. There is right. only just like fullness of life. But but that's the thing that's interesting <laughs> to me because I like sadness. I like sad things. My favorite. Yeah, it's a, I mean my favorite kind of story is a sad story more yeah. than a happy one. Like I like the ending of Kingdom Hearts one more than two because it ends on a sad note. There's joy. I mean, there's kind of joyful sadness. Like when I lost my grandparents, I was sad, but I was happy though. Mm. If that makes sense, because I knew they were at peace right. and I was grateful no for so the time Frank. I had with them. Yeah. Same thing with Frank. But so. <laughs> and I can see that it's, it's but to me, because even though I'm extraordinarily disenchanted with women, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> even though I'm exceptionally change. disenchanted with them, it can change. I am still a romantic at heart. Yeah. And that doesn't just translate to relationships. Like, I'm a romantic because rom romance in its original definition meant uh, adventure, really. Romance mm -hmm. is going around, traveling, living in a state of wonderment. Reminds me of Dead Poets Society right. when he's talking right. about romance. Romance. It's this not is, just, yeah. yes, exactly. These are the things we live for. <laughs> right. It's not just love. It's yeah. A, it's a, yeah. But I'm a romantic, and I like to see beyond the looking glass to see things, read between the lines sometimes, and mm -hmm. see things in their true essence or beyond their essence, even fabricate their essence just to make it more interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and where's I going with this? Um, I enjoy sadness because at the same time, I like funerals um, because I feel like it's an end to an era but there's beauty, like I've said earlier in conversation, there's a beauty to something. The impermanence of humanity makes it way more beautiful than, say, if a human lived forever. Yeah. That would, you know, barring heaven, it's a different thing entirely. But yeah. on, a, on a mortal human realm, even if you just lived 800 years, it would be like, well, that's kind of sappy. But I've always wanted to write a story about, because in fiction, you always hear about elves, dwarves, Orcs, Cyclops, what do all these things have in common? They all live hundreds of years. Yeah. I want to create a species that only lives 30 years. 
used to be the life right. expectancy. Sure. <laughs> you know, except for those that were more wealthy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I like the idea of a species that could be human-like. Sure, it would be, it would be more interesting because humans relate to humans. But they live exciting and passionate lives, hearts on their sleeves, love to be around each other, love to experience love, joy, excitement, adventure. They live fast, short, passionate lives because that's so much more beautiful to me than a life that's just oh so long. I've acquired oh so much wisdom. I can tell you the songs of the rocks and the streams (laughs) versus... Me and my friends, we went out on a ship. We saw some stuff. We had an awesome time. We had two or three really great parties. But that was three generations ago, and that was only 100 years. Yeah. You know, it's like I think it's way more beautiful when things just are sad. I just I see that, and, and that's why I – this is almost morbid, but I like, in a sense, breaking up with a girl because I embellish – after I get through the initial shock and the depression, about a week or so later, I enjoy... When the, you've been broken up. I, I enjoy the, the somberness because I'm like, we had some good times. That was so beautiful. But now it's gone like a faded flower, a shattered glass. The hummingbird of the night has now become one with the sun, whatever. It's just... It's because so you felt much something more, real. You I lived. felt something real. Yeah. And now I have I get to go through my day with this dull but constant heartache that makes me feel like a poet <laughs> it's just well, something it's, about it it's cliched but it's very real that you don't fully realize something there's beauty and pain it. there's beauty and, and pain that people too. don't realize that always um well what you said about the 30 years i mean how much of a person's life do you think do you feel like they actually really live in if that makes sense so you could live it's 70 years and how much of your time is spent working and how much... I think if a person knows that their life's not going to be long, they're going to be that much more willing to squeeze out every moment. Well, you hear about people who live like adventurous, daring lives, these people who jump buildings. And a lot and of them die in like their 20s. But you, it makes you wonder though, like where they, not to say they were destined for that, but they they lived They lived by their own full, rules. In a way, I mean, I don't know. Some could yeah, say, who's to say a long life is a full life? See, I, I agree because we do can everything live, we can to stay alive. You but. can live a full life. and See, I, I've said this. and My parents think I'm nuts, but I say this. I, I'm like, I've done just about everything I want to do in life already. I'm I tw- feel like that sometimes I'm, too. I'm 28 years old. Bob, the only thing left that I actually want to do in life is visit Japan. That's it. That's my, that's my bucket list. I've done skydiving. Bucket list. Yeah. I've loved a woman. Bucket list. A woman's loved me back. Bucket list. Even if it was temporary. Temporary made it better. So (coughs) I got to date. I got to do romance. I got to enjoy different things. I've eaten outrageously good food. I've eaten disgusting food. I've I've had friends that I see as family, that I see as brothers. It's just I've had close friendships. I've had loss. I've had love. I've traveled low-key. I've met all sorts of interesting people. Well, Kurt, you are... I've worked many jobs. There's nothing else I actually care to do. And people are like, well, you haven't married and have kids. I'm like, I don't want to get married and have kids. And you said that could change. And sure, it could change. But currently, the way I speak right now, yeah. kids are a pain in the ass. And 
marriage just feels like a ball and chain to me, especially when every other day at work I hear people say, don't ever get married. My wife's a blankety blank. I'm like, well, that's encouraging, you know? Well, I think one of the things why you and I are such good friends, and you really brought this out of me, whether I told you before or not, is that you are a man of passion, and you do, you follow you do follow your heart and what you do in life, and like you and you don't care, you don't care at all what anybody else thinks, which is extremely admirable. Like I needed someone like you to pull me out of that. Not that I cared, but I did a little bit. Like I, I wanted to present myself in a certain way in high school but then i met you and it's like well i don't have to because everybody else is boring and sucks and kurt is cool <laughs> and like no i'm being serious though like that's you brought me out of that and yeah you and i feel like i kind of live the same way too like i really have unlocked a lot of creativity that i know it i knew i always had but i just didn't know how to express it i guess or how to talk about it maybe even too but that means it, a lot to me to hear you say, I got to admit. It's the truth. It's the truth. That, that was going to be one of the questions, too, is like, wow. how would you describe our friendship? Because, uh, I mean, it's 10 plus years now. And oh, yeah. It's, it's just probably 12, 13. Yeah. But um, sophomore year, was it? High school. Yeah. But what you just said, though, about you feel like you I feel the same way. I feel like I've done more than I ever thought I would ever do. You which sounds a house. I, well, yeah, I mean, right. But, but to me, that's not as important because I have a dwelling. I live by myself. I may as well, it's the same thing to me as yeah. having a house. But like I, yeah. I played sports, all kinds of sports. I play multiple instruments. I love music. I like to draw. Um, I've seen so many movies and read books and I've, you know, like my faith life has improved and I don't know, like I've done and I've gone places like you mentioned too. And and yet, while I feel like I've already lived like a full life, I know that there's like there's still more yet to be discovered, even though I feel like it similar to you that like I've done everything I could. But I think that's just part of living an intentional life and not just letting life pass you by, which it seems like a lot of people do, unfortunately. And it's kind of shocking and sad to think that you could just go day to day without asking questions in your mind or without tapping into your own potential or I don't know. That's just how I, well, going back to, going back to the poet society, a lot of people might like you and me relate to John Keating playing John Keats, which, you know, it was much later as uh, Robin Williams characters, John Keating. He talks about like the zest of life and all that. And a lot of people feel that, but a lot don't there are, or they're afraid to, I think a lot of people, it could be fear. Because a lot of people care more about acceptance, as we, you just talked about, and especially younger. Worth? It, it's worth it's, <laughs> it's 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 valuing your comfort level in the immediate moment that you're not an outcast than it is venturing into your aspirations. But I do also think there are some people that are just content, relatively at least, to just kind of. And if I they are, really and they're okay, then God bless them. But right. it's not for me. <laughs> That's how I feel. I like. I want to live an exciting. Life. I, I've had 11 jobs for a reason. I keep wanting to try different things. I want to, I, I want to experience different things. But and I feel like yeah, there's not much left to do that I actually, which is nice because you feel like you fulfilled. You, you feel like if I died tomorrow, yeah. I feel like I, I lived a full life. But also, it's I have to look at it like you have to keep that spirit. Imagine of... imagine a color that you've never seen before. You can't do it. That's what we have to look at life. Like in another five, ten years, maybe sooner, mm-hmm. something will happen 
where it's a color we've never seen before. We didn't even know we wanted to do it. Yeah. I'm, might, I might get really into knitting, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is sweet, you know. You might what, fall in love I might, again. I might fall in love again, which you know, I, you I might feel want like, kids, even though you think they're little right <laughs> demons, even, right? And it's like. And I've, 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 I've said, I'm like, yeah, if I have kids, I'm going to adopt when they're like 12 and they can take care of themselves. <laughs> like, I'll be there. I'll hang out with them and spend days and yeah. stuff. With them. I just don't want to change diapers and not be a chain to the house. You know? The only thing I'll say is that people constantly, repeatedly say it's different when they're your own. You see another person's yes. kid crying or you hear another person talking about the I'm kid. I'm aware of and that. And you're like, that sounds like. Right. Even when it's your siblings' kids, like your nieces and nephews, I, I love them, but there's still something missing, and it's like, right? You, I feel a bond with them, but not. It's I, I, I don't know what it's like, and I admit that I don't know what it's like to have my own, but I have to believe. I, I really do want to. But believe then look at it in this lens. You see someone with a flesh wound. You see where this is going? It's just a flesh wound. You see someone <laughs> with a flesh wound. Yeah, I mean, I can empathize. It probably hurts, Baba. Now it's my flesh wound. Ah, it personally involves me more. Doesn't mean I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way to truly feel what it feels like. But is there any way to guarantee that it's always going to be better? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, you, you don't know until you have it. But just because you have it doesn't mean it's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 appreciate what you said though about like the color that you've yet to see because right. that that's kind of what i'm saying too is that there's things that you and i you that are going to happen the doors in our, open to there's things that are going to happen in our lives that we don't have no idea we're going to get sure. walloped we're sure. gonna have no idea and not see them coming and they're going to be great and terrifying maybe at the same time hopefully and, they are like I, because i like <laughs> excitement even if it's spooky or yeah. heart-wrenching the 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 business that went on with my dad it was a lot of it was a big ordeal but yeah. but it added more flavor to my life yeah and i don't mean to be morbid but now i can actually kind of relate because my family's been too perfect for decades mm. my family's been model family i mean from as what everyone can tell everyone's like oh you know i got your parents you're like, oh i finally have a little bit of a sob story so i can relate and mm. you know everyone says you can't relate unless you also have like a, like family problems now that i finally have family problems it's like hey welcome yeah. to the real world you know because yeah. i thought if you played your cards right you were a christian you were responsible and you stayed a pretty even keeled path Nothing bad's gonna happen to you. Yeah. Well, it just shows that's not always the case. Yeah, it's just really look at Job, right? He lived a perfect, well, <laughs> a very good life by all means, yeah. in God's own words, and yet he still had to deal with crap, like the worst Literally. crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's really. It's one of the hardest things to try to figure out is like we can't relate to perfection, and yet it almost feels like we're called to it in a way, not. Totally, because we, we can't no, we, be. We are called to it because God can't ask for less because God is perfect. Right. So he's not going to say, do all right. He has to say, do the best. But yeah. he knows we can't be perfect. But that is the goal, because yeah. to say any less would mean that he's not perfect. But then Christ is the missing piece in that. It's right. the only bridge between the, imperfect. you know, as close as we can get, and then we still fall short, and then Christ right. is the final connecting. But then we'll be cleansed in the afterlife. We'll be made perfect. Yeah. So... So the thing, it, the way I see it is, you know, if you commit yourself to, you know, believing in God and, you know, is it better to work towards 
perfection now or be purged well, or purified and I mean, <laughs> go through? My, my favorite movie in the world, The Last Samurai, uh, there's a quote where the main character says, um, from the moment they wake, speaking about the Japanese, the American captain's talking about the Japanese, and he says, from the moment they wake, they dedicate their lives to an utter moral set of principles um, striving for perfection or however he words it. And it's interesting because the Japanese culture, especially the traditional old school Japanese culture, was very about do everything to the perfect ability. And it's admirable. It's like from the simplest things like tea ceremonies, which is literally just pouring tea the correct way and having the ladle and going like mm-hmm. everything. The, the, yeah. From drawing with pens to, to bow and arrow. There's a whole beautiful you know you got to do the form correct everything is just yeah. every single labor every everything's done to the utmost perfection to dedicate yourself to an utter moral sense of principles is one of the things well says. i like that your movements matter just as much as your, your what I the task like that you accomplished we forget about like the physical right representation of like the things that but we to do me i feel like that would be very trapped to feel like it can only be done this way you yeah. know, I've, because yeah, I, I want to try things a different way. Yeah. And Japan and a lot of Eastern Asian countries are very traditional. The burden on that is that when they fail to do things to the uttermost perfection, they get really beat up about it. Yeah. And they're way too hard on themselves when they mess up, which right. is why samurai killed themselves traditionally. Right. When they failed, when New Age Japan, people would be like, stand up, rise again, adopt it from America. You live to you live to fight another day. Work harder, eat right, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, go on and you know. Yeah. But back in the day, it's like I can't stand the shame of defeat. I guess I got to die. It's like all right, you're a coward and a baby. Right. You know. Yeah. But like, but that is, it has. But then th- there's this fascinating book that was written in the '60s it's called The Japanese Mind. I got it from Orchard Park Library, and it, and it really helps you understand through the eras how Japan got to the mindset they have and it's only updated to the 60s from the 60s but a lot of it is still consistent and there's some quotes from letters written by samurai translated into English and it was very fascinating the way I was reading about how these samurai look at their masters samurai have their masters the daimyos the lords and stuff and they say nothing pleasures me more than doing the will of my master to Dedicate one's life to another to know that you can be of use in life up until death to dedicate yourself to someone because not by obligation, but because you love your master and want to do his will. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It sounds like you're talking about God because this is how people are. So it's funny. Exactly. You can't read that as a Christian and not think about God. I'm like, how is it that you have that dedication, assuming that it's not just, they're just speaking out yeah. of their butts, but these are actual letters that some samurai wrote. And it's like, they don't care if they live or die. They don't care about love or adventure. They will do what they'll sit on a rock for three days straight because their master did so because they have chosen by their own will to love and dedicate one's life to their master. Mm-hmm. And it's very biblical. And only, you know, it's misplaced because it's in basically yeah. worshiping other people. Yeah. But it's like, how is it that some people traditionally in Japan, probably other countries, can dedicate their everything to a person 
but almost nobody can dedicate themselves to God. That's something I've heard about, like talking about Lord of the Rings and what is the true arc. Because, you know, you talk about who's the hero and people are like, oh, well, Sam is. Frodo sort of is. Gollum is. Whatever. But well, they're saying that the struggle in Lord of the Rings, I guess with Tolkien, I don't know if this is exactly what he intended, but he, the god in Lord of the Rings, which isn't mentioned in the movies. Yeah, it's in the Silmarillion. Aluvatar, I think, is the name of like, it would be God. In yeah, our, the, 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 like in the, the mages or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. But it's the whole arc, and it's the same arc as like the Christian God of the struggle for God's right to rule. And that doesn't mean like to rule with like power and force, but like, I, I don't. We're called to surrender to the will of God. And people hear that even as I say it. And it's like the pull away from that is that sounds like becoming a slave, Slavery. having no freedom, not being my own person anymore. And doesn't sound like any fun or anything worthwhile, but it's, but the idea is that you only have a meaningful life. You can have a meaningful, um, and to think about this, but it, it's like the, the devil Satan's pull away is cause he doesn't want to surrender to God's will. But yet if he, like, that's the struggle. God is good. God is love. And it's you surrender to love. You surrender to what is good or you, or you don't. I think one of the, I think one of the difficulties about God in general for man's relation to God, I should say, is that the image is lacking. And the same reason why the, uh, the Moses's fleet of Jews, (laughs) (laughs) the jew fleet was all they were freaking out about like yeah like we got god sure but like can we have a king like they wanted a king a human king yeah because they wanted somebody that they could personalize with they're like yeah god's cool and most like we have god we don't need a king he is our king yeah we don't need an earthly king and then they're like yeah but we want a king to the point that they're literally making golden calves yeah they literally watch god part the sea and they're making golden calves so, something about the physical Well, face, then he, he ends up... Right. He gives them what they want. Jesus. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the worldly king. Or the, well, but then even the he's not of, good enough. He's not what right. they want. And some, yeah, some followed him. But it's like, not, you know, humans are just fickle. <laughs> to say the least. But, but looking beyond that, God himself, God the Father... Moses saw the back of his head, but nobody's seen God's face. Um, And we will, when we die, we'll see the face of God. It says in the Bible, I'm pretty sure, that when when everything's all over tribulations, eventually we'll see God, Mm -hmm. which will be overwhelming. But the thing is, we as humans have an easier time worshiping something that's more tangible. So it's almost like even like this pen, it's easier to be like, I'm going to treat this pen with the utmost respect. This is my pen. I'm yeah. going to take such care. Versus this ethereal, where are you? What are you? What do you look like? I'm going to worship you. Yeah, yeah. You're clutching at straws. And it's like, yeah. and even though I have the faith, I got to admit, it's sometimes hard 
to feel God's presence all the time. You do feel it in him stronger than other times, but sometimes it's not there. And it would be easier potentially, but I mean, if there was more of a physical form, but then that's where faith comes in. Faith is faith because to quote the Santa Claus in one of my favorite movies, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Mm-hmm. And blessed are those. It wouldn't be faith, if right? They... And in, in the New Testament, it says, uh, "You believe because you've seen those who saw Jesus." Yeah. But blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Yeah. Because that just shows a greater level of faith. Yeah. And and this is like, I've thought about this just because there's a lot of video games like Dragon Quest and stuff where for some reason Japanese lore they like to say goddess probably to like rip it from being too religious. <laughs> So, like, to have a a spiritual entity that's not too tied to actual God, they say goddess. But I've thought about this, and it's like, not to be blasphemous or whatever, but in a weird kind of creepy sense, because men are simps, I feel like if God were depicted as a hot woman, people would simp for him or her. Just Like, if God were a tangible, like like a supernatural being that came down to earth and was, like, super hot, the guys would go, oh, all right, yeah. Yeah. And it's really stupid to say, but <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that does captivate men is lust, is human things. I and think it's I hate that, but it's how we are. I've heard this said it. I've heard this said though that God reveals himself to us in ways that we understand. If he revealed himself to us right now in this oh, moment. Oh, we'd die. Right. Like as we as would it says in Revelation, yeah. you know, Jesus revealed himself and there was a Samuel or something. Yeah. And then, and then he says, I dropped to the ground like a dead man Yeah, because <laughs> he couldn't withhold Jesus' true presence. But people are like, if there was just more proof, or if there was just like... Yeah, that's always what people say. But again, I just don't people think... Go on. What am I saying? He reveals himself in ways that we understand. And I just think our, all of our lives, for those who you know choose to believe... Um, it's our search for God and ultimate and like our search for ourselves and God, maybe at the same time. I feel like we don't fully know ourselves until we fully know God. That's what I believe. Um, and the temptation is to create your own, which sounds good. Like it's like create your own. You can't create yourself. No. Um, you you work you are a created being. Being yes. And. I don't know. It's better to surrender to that than to try to be like, I'm going to. Well, I, you're seeing it right now. We're, we're in a more secular world. Yeah. And we're seeing it with gender right now. I'm not the gender I was born with. Yeah. I'm something. I'm trying to create something that is not. And that's that's a physical some, like that's a it's physical a, thing it's a, that's playing out right now. It's a now. physical manifestation of your own sin, really. Well, but, yes, yeah, but the corruption of mind but through sin. The thing is, is that like anybody who sins, it's a distortion of reality. It's a distortion of you know, like we talk about, you know, I'm Catholic, and we when we confess our sins, we yeah. we say um, you say your hail marys I, and stuff. Yeah. Well, I, like I, um, what was I saying before that? Um, I've sinned against God and against you. Yeah. Like I've distorted, like I, I've lied to myself. Like I haven't even right. been true to myself. I'm not right. true to God. I'm not true to other people. Right. Um, 
so it's it's just it's the rejection of what is i guess it's, it's like trying to like that's what sin is people think of it as like good and bad good well, and, evil. and that, that's it and yeah and sin is deception from morality yeah that that we as humans know what the right thing is it's imputed into us through the holy spirit yeah. we know even even unbelievers know what's good and bad for the most part and but we don't do it because we don't fully surrender to god's will whether right. you believe or not or whether you you know you do the thing you think you should do, but you don't. Right. You want to do the thing you should do, but you can't. Um, Correct. I don't know. I just, I, I wish I had a better way. What I was saying before describing it, when I was saying like the struggle for God's right to rule, like God wants to give, but only if we extend surrender our arms, ourselves. surrender and, and accept it. Right. Asking and, shall receive, and if you yeah. ask and don't receive, it's because you're asking for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So I guess I like I can understand why a non-believer, an atheist, would just like hear that. Like they hear that, and it's like that's just right. You know, oh, those I, those Christians over there. There's a they, lot of non-believers that are non-believers because they see things in their life and that they think, if God's good, how could He let this happen? It's like I'm sorry, but God's purity is independent from your individual circumstances. Do you think it always falls back to the problem of evil, though, for what makes people non-believers? No. It seems to be one of the no. most. I don't think it's always. I think it's common, but I, I think a lot of it is. Um, they're just blinded. People are blinded by sin, and God reveals Himself to who He reveals Himself to. And far be it for us to say who does and doesn't deserve to be saved, because that's not for us. It's not our call. It's God. So it's like. Sometimes it just seems unfair, but then again, we have to realize grace is not fair either. See, yeah. sin is not fair, but neither is grace. Because if fair is fair, then we would all be going to hell. Yeah, every God time. is unfair in a gracious way to his followers. <laughs> <laughs> so we all deserve death row, but he's like, hey, because you have faith, you're good. You're not mm -hmm. on death row. And well, I think it's just you can't at, you can't tie fairness into grace because grace is independent from fairness because fairness would be everybody dies. Grace is well, you and you get are saved, but what about the other people? That's not fair. No, what's fair is everybody dies. Grace is independent from fairness. Yeah. The fact that any of you are are not are gonna live is grace which again is maybe we're just it's not to just wrestle over terms but that's grace is supersedes fairness yeah you can't apply fairness to something like grace it just, it just doesn't really work mm -hmm. um, um, because no because grace is undeserved and fairness in order for something to be fair, it has to be deserved. And that's just how it goes. If you work really hard, it would be fair that if somebody set the quota set, if you write, you, you do, you, whatever, you do this many projects, then you get a prize. And then two of the people do that many projects. They get the prize, one person doesn't. Well, it's fair. You said, if they, but God's parameters are, if you sin, you're going to die. That's it. It's simple. Yeah. If you don't sin, you won't die. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Newsflash, we all sin. Therefore, we all deserve to die. 
through grace, well, you're not going to die. Wait, how come he doesn't get to die? That's you can't judge grace by fairness. It's a different thing because grace is almost like a cheat code to fairness. <laughs> because, you know, you can't, because grace, again, I can't reiterate enough, but it's like grace isn't deserved. Grace is just imputed mm-hmm. on people. But you can, reg- like, grace can be offered to you, but you have to accept it. It's another thing that, you know, you sin, but then you also reject. See, that's, that's, it's like that's, I'm offering you. I'm offering forgiveness, but we don't accept it. And then that's where things get tricky because through my denomination, we have some, we have different beliefs on that because I believe in the elect people are elect through God, um, predestination, which is a really tricky subject. And you lose a lot of people on this (laughs) because as a, as a, Protestant, the Protestants believe a lot of Protestants, like Wesleyans, don't. Arminians is a different denomination of Protestants, Presbyterians and stuff, but like uh, like Lutherans and Baptists and Presbyterians believe in the elect, as it's literally stated in the Bible numerous times. The term elect. What does that mean other than selected, selected people? So God has, in my belief, and again, thank you know this isn't to understand this yeah. isn't a qualification for salvation. Whether you believe it or not doesn't matter. What matters is if you have faith. Yeah. So it's not like, there's a deal breaker. You have to believe in the elect, although I personally do. I'm not going to tell other Christians they have to believe that you're going to hell. But it's, as it's just clearly stated in the Bible, my belief is that, first of all, you'll have no interest in God because they say the only the unforgivable, sin is, unforgivable sin is denying God. The reason for that is because it, it's it's almost like a riddle not to say but it's a little bit of like its own riddle because it's like it's unforgivable because you are not ever going to accept god mm-hmm. to not accept god well then duh it's unforgivable because the only thing you know god would forgive you if you accepted it but if you don't accept him then you're not going to be forgiven yeah. so it's, it's like a back and forth but the thing is nobody has to fear though because like because, because i'm also a calvinist and that's 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 how that goes with the you probably heard of the whole tulip analogy thing um and so with predestination um and my sister was trying to tell us to her friend natalia and she was trying to understand but she's confused and also as a lot of people are when they're first introduced to it but you would have no interest in god if you weren't elect so there's nothing to worry about because if you're worried, that's a good sign that you're elect. <laughs> you probably are if you actually have concern because you're going to lean eventually at some point in your life. You know, God knows where your heart's at and where you're going to do. So before you're even born, he knows if you're going to be saved. He knows everything. Well, so, But that's the part of it that I I don't know where I'm at mm-hmm. with that. But I, right. there's a reality that people are going to deny God in the end. There's a reality right. that... That's going to happen. So when right. you say like elect, mm-hmm. it's like, well, yeah, they're the ones <laughs> God gonna be, chose. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's really tr- like I could s- see why you would struggle to try to like convey it. Like I, I think I kind of see what you're getting at. Right. Um, it's to me, it you know, people like I pray for conversion for souls. That's right. I pray. Well, that's for that. the thing because we don't know the elect, we're called to pray for all the unsaved. That so they that, would I mean, be that's saved. not, I mean, that kind of fits then, but like I, right. my, my thing is like, 
it's incredible to me to, I believe that people will see God and they will still deny and reject him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, but here's the thing, God being all powerful, does it really make sense that God can say, I want you, I'm personally selecting you for me. And then you say, I'm not taking it. (laughs) That's giving you more power than God. And nobody has more power than God. If God wants you, nobody will snatch my children from my hand. Hmm. If he's grabbed you, you're not going anywhere. And that's why, again, I can't agree with the uh, loss of salvation. I believe once saved, always saved. And if you feel like you're not saved, then you probably never were. If you you have a fallout, then you might have never been saved in the first place. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to say. Only you can tell with your own heart. But the thing is, to believe that your life is on a careening roulette of i'm not doing well today i guess i'm not saved i am well whoa jesus better come back during the time where i am saved that's ridiculous to me to think that well you're not doing well you reject god you're not saved all right well then tomorrow on friday you'll be saved or whatever because you accepted him again well now you shot him back and and jesus can you really imagine jesus saying please please accept me i want to save you but i can't until i get your permission Sorry, God's going to say, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. you're going to be saved. Okay. And then eventually you just come to him. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all powerful. We don't have much say in the matter. Yeah. But, but does, that it does vi- bring, but, but does it violate free will though? Cause we, sh- that's the struggle that everybody has with Calvinism, including Calvinists. <laughs> and my, my, my pastor at my Wesleyan church is said, one of the associate pastor, younger pastors in the same age as us. He said, okay, did God know that, Adam and Eve would eat the fruit. I said, yes, of course. God knows everything. If he knew they were going to, that means they had no choice in the matter. I said, uh, maybe, but they had a choice, but he just knew the decision what they were going to make. Yeah. And then and so he's like, yes, but if he knew that they were going to make that, then they didn't really have a choice, right? And I can see what he's saying. If he knows, if God knows what's going to happen, is there really any free will at all? if he knows what's going to happen. And I don't really have an answer for that. Wait, but so if he knows what's going to happen. If he knows what you're going to do. If he knows that I'm going to drop this, did it, was it? Was there ever an opportunity that I wasn't going to drop it? If he knew I was going to, you know. Because think, to do, you can't means... surprise God. You can't do something. Whoa, I didn't think yeah. he was going to do that. You know? But I think you still, I think you still have free will, and you chose to do right. That. I don't, Even if he I, knew it, it I don't think mean, they're mutually exclusive. I free will and God knowing. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't. I I think that because in order for us to, I think in that, order for our choices to matter, in order for us to choose God, we have to be free to do it. He can't interfere. Even right. if he knows what we're gonna, even if he knows what we're gonna do, right? We. Because if we weren't free to choose God or deny God, our choice wouldn't matter at all. Like our, our nothing would matter at all. Right. There has to, in order for love to exist, there has to be a choice, and that's why He created us to, you know, that's just that that right. that's how I think about it. But I more or less knew you were gonna back up, right? Yeah. But you still have the choice. <laughs> I, but he knows what's going to happen. I knew you were going to back up because nobody, you know, so that's in a sense, that's like kind of what God's doing, right? So that's, that's, 
just an example. It's like you generally, you know, maybe it's a more human example, but God knows for a fact what you're going to do. But humans can predict what someone else might do. But with their, we have no way of knowing. We could predict. But we have no way of knowing. We have prediction. But God knows in confidence. So I have to think, there is, there must be a way that God can know that coincides with free will. But at the same time, it is possible, and I can't rule out entirely that we don't have free will, mm-hmm. and that we're just machinations of this grand scheme, and yeah. we just have, and it's all just a grand play that God developed. But that doesn't mean you can't love God. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm believe with full confidence we have free will because right. if we didn't, then our choice, I, then there would be no meaning. If there's no freedom to choose. Right. Your choices don't matter, I choose and to your believe, love meet means nothing. That's how I feel. I choose to believe in free will as well. I just don't know where the buck ends, right? Yeah, I, I guess because I believe that God knows, like everything you just did. Like to give an example, like God knew I was going to do this and yeah, stuff. Sure, but it doesn't mean that we weren't still free to do it, right? Like, right, and and some people can't can't uh, rec. Uh, uh, some people can't. Well, people say like if if there's a God, He wouldn't allow He wouldn't have allowed Adam and Eve to fall. He wouldn't allow us to have fallen. Right. But the reason that He did is for His own glory. You have to realize God literally calls Himself a jealous God. Uh, mm-hmm. He's you know because He's the only one allowed to be jealous because He's you know we can't be jealous because we're humans. We're flawed. Yeah. He's perfect, so He can do what He wants. Yeah. He makes the rules, so God. Because some people might even say. Um, that, oh, isn't desire wrong? No, because God desires us to come to him. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize that God's um, purpose supersedes his desire. Because Jesus' desire was to save people, sure. Yeah. But at the same time, do I have to die on the cross? Literally in Gethsemane, he's like mm-hmm. saying to God, he's like, if there's well, any other way for you to take this cup from mm-hmm. me, I really don't want to get crucified. Well, and even when he's on the cross and they say, right. you know, if you're truly the son of God, save yourself. Like, right, and he could have. Don't you desire to save? You know, save he could life. have, but he knew that his purpose mattered more yeah. than his personal desire, his human desire. Yeah, and so I do believe God's, um, God's um, purpose, whatever it may be, to its full extent. We know some of his purpose, but his full purpose, we don't even know. For example, nobody, not even Jesus, only the Father knows when Jesus is coming back. Right. Which I find strange that even Jesus is like, none, not even the Son, only the Father knows when Jesus, you know, when it's time. Yeah. And it's like, so that's interesting. Especially when you consider that they're three and one. And right. It's like, aren't like, you the same person? And it's like, and that's just one of the mysteries. That's like, we can't understand everything. We're limited knowledge humans. The way I heard it explained, because the Trinity is a hard thing to, it could still be a really it's hard, hard to reconcile. Thing. Yeah. And I get that. It's, there has to be a lover and a loved, loved like a person who's loving and a person who's like so or a lover and a beloved does that make more sense grammar well i mean <laughs> like but the holy spirit is then the love between the two the father and the son and then this holy spirit is the the holy spirit is the love that is right. shared between the two that that's how i've heard it described and i'm still trying to the holy spirit out, is is what comes into us in the absence of jesus in the flesh because when Jesus left, he said, you know, you know, if, if, if I don't, 
leave, then the spirit can't be with you. Like, it's like one or the other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he's literally talking about how the Holy Spirit comes into us because you only seem to, we only get one at a time for whatever reason. He doesn't explain, but it's just, you know, and the Holy Spirit being the helper, he help, he fills us and helps us, um, gives us the out that we would not otherwise have from sinning mm -hmm. because we will not be tempted. And this, uh, I struggle with, of course, knowing that we will never be tempted with the Holy Spirit. Those of us who are saved and have the Holy Spirit living in us do not, will never be tempted beyond our capacity to uh, reject sin. We will, we will never be tempted greater than we can handle. We, there's, the Holy Spirit always provides a way out that we don't have to sin. Right. But so often we do end up sinning. Yeah. Because it's easier. Sinning is easier. It's the easy way out. Well, we, it, it, yeah, I mean, you have to make the choice to not, like, to tap into that, into the spirit. Right. Please hang up and try again. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Time with Bob podcast. Special thanks to Kurt for joining me for the conversation. I'm looking forward to getting together with him again and discussing more. Thanks again. Stay tuned.